Hello and welcome back to K-Drama Rants. My name is Melanie and I like to rant about K-dramas. Today we're talking about episode 4 of Love to Hate You. Last week, Miran found a way to stay close to Kang Oh. She will be working for him as his lawyer. He was hesitant to allow this at first, but after she showed him that she kicks ass, the horny thoughts beat out the suspicious thoughts. Who among us, honestly? And the episode ends with him, I was about to say on his ass, but he's not on his ass because he has a tendency to fall forward. But anyway, they look into each other's eyes in a very suggestive way, which felt out of place since these two still have mostly disdain for the other. The episode title this week is You Are Not What I Expected, and we keep seeing titles that make me uncomfy. Back with Miran and Kango rehearsing, fighting, and him asking her whether she still likes him. His reasoning is that she would never kick his ass that hard if she liked him still. But she's like, nah, dude, this is for work. My personal feelings don't factor into whether I beat your ass. What? <laughs> he then sits her down to ask where the heck she learned how to fight like that. So she keeps explaining that she's a lawyer and sometimes she gets to fight. So now her desire to stay close to this guy so she can find the girl she thinks he's hurting is met because Kang Ho decides to hire her to spar with him so he can get better for his action noir role. Plus, she can beat him up. Dubs all around for Miran. She writes up a contract and he crosses out the amount that she wanted to ask him to pay her, but he quintuples it. Yeah, she really keeps racking up the dubs. Then he surprised that she would make it so that the injured would have to pay to tend to their own injuries if one of them got hurt during the sparring. And she makes it sound like it's so that he's protected against her so that she doesn't pretend to be hurt even when she's not. But something tells me she's just trying to stay off the hook for paying for his injuries since she's a much better fighter than him. The next day at work, she tells her boss that she's been hired as a sparring partner for her already existing legal client, and her boss decides to be a piece of shit about it and tells her that she seduced him. Note, he was seduced, Kang Lo was seduced, but that was not her intention. Then he decides to tell her that if he crosses the line, she should allow it. I would like to punch that man right in the face, as well as every other man that has ever said something like that. That is all. Meanwhile, Kango keeps rehearsing and takes a break from his teacher in order to practice with Miran. Then Wonjun, his soulmate, finds out about the fact that he let Miran into his house and gets pretty angry about it. We all know it's because he's jealous that his soulmate is hanging out with someone else but the show tries to convince us that he's just concerned that Miran is crazy. But anyway, Kang Ong tries to defend his honor and make it seem like he wasn't fully overpowered by Miran, but he does seem to consider. 
that maybe she doesn't like him, that she's actually an anti-fan as per Wonjun. And anti-fan is a term that I guess people in Korea use to mean hater. Then we see Miran going to like an arcade and decide to try to max out one of those punch machines. So we and her friend, her roommate who's watching know that she's raring up to do something dumb. You know, like she, she about to do something stupid. They go eat something, and her roommate is now convinced that the only reason that Kang Lo would hire her for the job when he has access to all sorts of trainers is because he's trying to get close to her. I mean, we know that he finds it hard that she can beat him up, but I don't think that's exactly what the roommate is thinking about how and why he likes her. But side note, they've made a very big deal out of the fee that she'd have to pay if she breaks her NDA because she like brings it up during this conversation so remember that get ready for the NDA to become a problem soon next day Miran beats up the punching bag at her work gym which no one seems to ever use except for her I'm convinced that wealthy people never use the amenities made available to them hot take anyway she gets a call from her boss informing her that her Divorce case, the one that she was handling with the actress Su Jin, was leaked, and this gossip show is doing a great job of speculating about it. Super unsure why a divorce would make the news like that, because divorces are always a good thing. You want to be able to find happiness with someone else. They speculate that it's the actress who cheated when she claims it was her husband. Who was the cheater? And Wonjun, who's with the actress, calls the law firm to make sure that they handle it and tries to get Miran off Kangol's case since he doesn't play well with women. But the actress, Su Jin, throws a fit over it because she thinks that Wonjun mistrusting Miran is a dig at her ability to judge character, so he drops it. Wonjun apologizes with a hug for making Su Jin feel that way, and the woman who gave Kang Wo his latest role, catches that exchange, so she demands a hug from Won Jun when it's her turn to have an appointment with him. The reason why she's here is because she came to tell him that they found a female lead for the movie, Oh Sena. Won Jun is not thrilled, so I think it's safe to assume that Kang Wo and Sena have a history. I wonder if it's the woman from the makeup ad on the side of the road. And it kind of looks like her when we cut to a new woman drinking alone at a restaurant after she gets stood up. So she calls the guy that she's supposed to be seeing and breaks up with him over the phone because he's not there. And then she drives off and starts crying in the car and sees an ad with Kangol's face over it. So that tells me that I'm right about who this woman is. She's, she's the woman from the ad. And then we get a flashback of a breakup between the two of them where she asks him not to tell anyone that they dated. Apparently, they broke up because she was a big star and he was just a lowly stage actor. Damn. That's rough. And Kongo was super beat up over it. He was like drinking and crying. 
I mean, he should have gone to therapy rather than take it out on every other woman he met. So, you know, still fuck him. But that was rough. I will allow that that was rough. In the end, Wong Jun calls Senna and asks her to talk about the inevitable reunion. And now we get to Miran's birthday. She's on the phone with her mom. She does not want to eat the customary seaweed soup. So her mom tries to make her feel bad about not only not eating the food, but also not spending her birthday with her. She does not seem like she has anything planned. We just know that she doesn't want to be with her mom. I get it. But she doesn't have time to be upset about her mom being mean about her birthday because her boss calls. Sujin is in lockup after driving her car into her husband's car. Super level-headed, this woman. All of the attorneys are jelly because apparently the jail rooms that Tibbles get are lit. Her ex-boyfriend walks her out to a taxi and he tries asking her what she's doing for her birthday. And her response is that she's spending the night with a guy. Iconic. I'm sure it's like plans to beat up Kango or something. Elsewhere, Won Jun and Sena meet up. He asks her why she took the role and he suggests that she's trying to get back together with Kango and she doesn't deny it. She says she wants to apologize to Kango. So Won Jun tries to get her to quit the movie and then he'll let her apologize to Kango. But she's cunning. She's smart. She's sneaky. She's like, if I don't drop out and I apologize, Kango will have to forgive me because he's desperate to do this film. So I don't like her, but I respect her game. He tells her not to get her hopes up and expect them to end up reminiscing and laughing about the good old days because she is the worst woman in his life. Whatever the fuck that means. Miran makes it to the prison and she is assigned room one to meet with her client. The lower the number, the cooler the cell, apparently. And there, Su Jin promptly disregards the work that needs to get done and tells them to get cozy so she can order some food. They get the sushi platter looking thing and I am massively jealous. It looks so good. Then she complains about her frivolous problems being married to a chibble. Not that there weren't bigger ones, but she likes complaining about the smaller ones. Same. We learn that Su Jin is a functioning alcoholic. It's said as a passing throwaway comment because she says like, oh, I can't eat without soju. And we're just supposed to like accept it. The fuck? At night. Kang Wo rehearses for his movie by driving his driver around wearing sunglasses. A totally safe and sane thing to do. Dude, not a one of these characters is armed with even a single neuron of critical thinking skills. And I love that. I love the chaos. He then gets a call from Won Jun to tell him the news. So they go to his house and discuss. I need you to know that when we get to his house, we switch to a shaky cam to show how destabilizing the news of Senna working in his new movie is for Kango. 
I just need to stress that mental image for you. He starts having a panic attack, but then receives a text from Miran telling him that she can't make it to sparring practice tonight. And it reminds him of how she told him that a job is a job, so she puts her personal feelings aside. So he resolves to move forward with the job, even when one June is straight up telling him he should quit. That was cute, not gonna lie, that he like found solace in her words. That was that was really cute. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Back at jail, Miran smuggles in some alcohol for her client, the one who can't eat without soju, the one who's like totally normal. And smuggling alcohol to jail is another super safe and sane thing to do that these characters just do. And then she and Sujin bond over how the world is so fucking sexist. And Sujin asks Miran to treat her like an onion. And I can't see how a lawyer and her client calling each other sibling could possibly end poorly. This is a great idea that she's going to be calling her onion now. That's great. Miran leaves to meet Kangwo. She falls asleep in the cab because she is drunk. And when she gets where she's going, the cab driver tries to wake her up. And she twists the cab driver's hand while she's asleep when he touches her to try to wake her up. So she tells Kangwo what happened in the cab. And even though she drooled while she was sleeping, and he looks suitably disgusted by this information, he's like, what is going on? When they're inside, she explains that in order to win a street fight, he's got to be vicious. He doesn't want to listen to her words, though, and prompts her to come at him immediately. So she kicks his shin a couple times to get him angry, and they start fighting. She dodges every single thing he throws at her, impressing him very greatly. And then she kicks him to the ground, where he asks her for a timeout. She does not grant him mercy and proceeds to beat the shit out of him. That's not cool. Probably not the best idea either for an actor to put himself in physical harm's way. But he's done it now. But she definitely should have stopped when he asked for mercy. I don't know. Seemed weird. She knocks him out in order to get into his phone and get the girl's number. And she finds her under the name Princess, where she thanked him for giving her money. So Miran gets hella pissed and black fumes literally start emanating from her. But he starts waking up so she can't do much about it. But just 10 seconds later, the girl walks in and clears it up. She, the princess, is Kangwo's niece. I was right. So, you know, Miran is highly surprised and embarrassed at how far she was about to go for a man that as far as she knows, hadn't actually done anything untoward to a child. Kango and his niece leave, and the niece vents to him that the kids at school don't believe that she's his niece, and he goes on the defensive. He's like, he wants to make sure that she's not getting bullied at school, and he calls her friends and invites them out to eat together so that they stop calling her a liar. Meanwhile, Miran is having a low-level existential crisis after mistaking a seemingly good guy for a bad guy. And then he comes back inside and she can't help but see him in a good light now. There's a literal halo all over him. I don't know why, since she still heard him talk smack about all women in the parking lot that one time. But I don't think we're going to bring that one back up. So I'm letting it go. I'm choosing to let it go. She tries to hide in shame, 
but he mistakes this as a training exercise and chases her and then starts beating her up. And she feels relief because she's like, I'm getting what I deserve after treating him so poorly for no reason. But now he doesn't want to beat her up anymore because she's not hitting back. <laughs> How dare she? Men really do be falling for people who don't treat him well. What is that about? He stops the training session because she's not trying to beat his ass anymore. And on the way out, she receives a call from her ex, the one that put her in a taxi earlier. He's crying over her, telling her that he did love her. And then she hangs up on him right as he yells, happy birthday, loud enough for Kangwo to hear. So now he feels bad as she worked for him on her birthday and offers to take her to dinner. And we get a little glimpse into his thoughts. He's like, all women want to post on their birthdays to show off how much the people in their lives care about them, but not Miran. She drinks and she isn't posting on her birthday and she doesn't even care where she goes on her birthday. This is a very not like other girls energy that I would implore you to eschew. This is bad vibes. Women are people and people are all unique. Crazy, isn't it? He tries asking her about her personal life at this dinner which surprises her, and she tries to change the subject, but he's interested now in the woman who beats him up, so he's going to keep asking. She apparently started fighting so she could gain power, and that's why she became a lawyer. Okay. <laughs> and she details how she learned how to fight so she could fuck up the gross old man in her neighborhood growing up. Mad tight. That's... <sighs> I respect that so much. I respect that decision so much. And then she says something like, it feels good to beat people up. And if she'd been a cop, she would have ended up worse for beating up a suspect. Girl, this woman is fully unhinged. I love her. And so at this point, he's fascinated by her. So because he feels bad for beating her up on her birthday, and because he thinks that he's, I don't know, found a woman not like other women, He's not giving the best vibes right now. He decides that his gift to her, aside from the dinner that they are currently at, is one date with him. Girl. The way I cackled when I saw this scene for the first time, this man is really fully unhinged. Everyone is unhinged. It's so convinced that she loves him. But he's, like, clearly falling so hard for her for no reason, just because she can beat him up. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. And he is delighted by the idea of going out on a date with her. So, obviously, he's 100% in. She tries to get out of it, but he's clearly already in love with her and, like, is convinced that she likes him because that's what she told him in order to get closer to him. So when they leave the restaurant, he's like excited for this to happen. And she's still sore from the kicks that he gave her. And he tries to hug her in order to try to make her feel better. Obviously, this is for him. This is not for her. She looks around desperately trying to figure out how to get out of this hug. But she has to keep up the act and accept his hug. 
And then he realizes and he's not having an immediate adverse reaction to touching her and pulls back to look deep into her eyes and kiss her. But it's not like a good K-drama kiss. It's not juicy. It's a K-drama peck where she's just frozen and he's the one doing the puckering. It's, it's so uncomfortable when they put that on screen. He's very turned on by a woman who can kick his ass. And again, who among us? But uh, how is he this bad at telling how very little she wants to be around him? But more importantly, more importantly, why didn't Miran pull away? She thought he was a pedophile up until like a couple hours ago. How is she just letting this happen? I'm 100% in. I'm invested in what happens immediately after this kiss. Like, what is she going to do now that she's been kissed by this man? I want to know. I also want to know what happens with the Sena situation. I also want to know how will the turntables for Miran to like Kango? Like, what's Wang Jun going to do when he finds out that his thoughtmate is with a woman now? I really, truly love how chaotic everyone in this show is. I have so many questions. And there are six episodes left. So I am, ooh, I'm excited. As always, you can reach out to me at koreandramarants at gmail.com and on Instagram at koreandramarants. Catch y'all next week with episode five of Love to Hate You. Thanks for listening. Bye.